Turn in your Bible to two passages, Isaiah 42, and then we're going to go for uh, Mark chapter 10. Isaiah 42, Mark 10. We're going to conclude today our series, uh, but I really I pray and I hope that even though we're concluding this series, it just really launches you into this year in a greater measure than ever before, concluding our series called Preparing for Future Things. Um, you know, we moved into what many believe is a new decade, 2020, uh, and, uh, and certainly the, the play on words is certainly a, a in play here at As For Me, because we need 2020 vision for 2020. Really, all the time is good. You see, these things right here, they help me. They're interesting. Uh, they, they help me see out there. Uh, they kind of help me see here. Uh, but you know what? God has a way of bringing clarity in our lives in all circumstances, all situations. Uh, and as Woodrow said, in all weathers, he wants to bring, I think it was Woodrow, bring you clarity in all things. And so that's what we've been talking about now, even on the last Sunday of December, moving through January into the middle of February right here. Uh, we're going to conclude this. Isaiah 42 and 43, just the context, if you, re- if you remember, the children of Israel are where when this prophecy is written and declared? They're in Babylon. That's not a great place to be in their day. They were in Babylonian captivity uh, because of their disobedience, because of a lot of things that they were doing that were contrary to the word and the will of God. They were uh, banished, if you will, into Babylonian captivity. But how many of you know, just because you're, you make mistakes, God's still a God of mercy and grace. Amen. And they didn't have to earn their way back into right standing with God. The prophet shows up and begins to prophesy. And he prophesies really about the coming of Christ. But in their day, it was the, the reality that even in their problem, even in their middle of their Babylonian captivity, he was going to come and bring great deliverance to them. And in fact, he said this about where they were. He said, Isaiah 42, 9, he said, uh, new things I declare to you. Uh, before you, before they spring forth, I'm going to tell you about them. Here they are in Babylonian captivity and God shows up basically verse nine. He said, the former things are past. He said, I'm going to tell you some new things. Somebody say new things. Somebody say spring forth. That's a horticultural term that just all of a sudden, man, I love spring. I'm telling you, things are springing out. Uh, uh, do you see the, even we got flowers in the flower bed that are springing out. I love springtime. You, one morning you look, nothing. Next morning, all of a sudden, da-da, where do those guys come from? I've got some bushes. What are they, Beverly? Those flowers already flowering. I've got some azaleas flowering and that other big bush. I can't remember what it is. Uh, but they're, they're just showing up. And I'm thinking, these guys are ready to roll. It's springing forth. That's the word picture God said he wanted to do for us. How many of you would like to wake up in 2020 and begin to realize, look what God has done. Amen. Don't be bored here this morning. Everybody say, wake up, get ready. Here we go. Amen. And so it's what he tells these people in Babylonian captivity. If you get over to Isaiah 43, he says it again, verse uh, 19, behold, I will do a new thing. In fact, verse 18, he said, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Everyone say new thing. 
He said, I'm going to do a new thing. Now it shall, there it is again, spring forth, shall you not know it? Man, he's trying to get these people in Babylonian captivity to a place where they, they are beginning to uh, come where, hey, maybe we're not here forever. Maybe God's got something going on. Maybe he, and so the prophet speaks. Now, the cool part about that, he's really speaking even prophetically beyond their day, to our day when Jesus Christ came and delivered us out of our bondage as well. So there you go. Everybody said, well, there you go. I love the Bible. I love, I love scripture. So 2020 has some new things for all of us. We need to understand that it shouldn't be same old, same old. It shouldn't be, you know, uh, just same old song doing the same old thing and just, you know, uh, uh, you know, just whatever comes our way, case Sarah, Sarah kind of thing. We need to open our eyes, open our ears and hear and see what God has for us. He wants to bring clarity. With that in mind, we begin a, a kind of a format, uh, the finding focus for our future. We use the, the word focus as an acrostic to give some focus factors that we see in Isaiah 42 and 43 to help us gain some focus. And the first, the letter F stood for faith for our future. Let me tell you, that's what God was doing with these uh, Babylonian captive, uh, pardon me, these uh, Israelites who were captive in Babylon. He was stirring their faith. How many of you know if you've been in Babylonian captivity for seven years, your faith level is probably not super high. And so he comes, the first thing he does, he begins to stir their faith. I'm going to tell you about some things before they happen. I want you to begin to believe it. So start singing a new song. Don't sing the same old song. Sing a new song. Sing a song of faith. Fear not. He just, he's just loading them up. How many of you know, 2020, we got to have some great faith for our future. And then the letter O, as we talked about, stands for obedience. We've got to, when we have faith, then God begins to speak into our life. He begins to give directive into our life. Uh, how many of you know God, there's nothing wrong with God's mouth? He's still talking. His word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when he gives directive, he has our best interest in mind. When he gives a command, that, that command is designed. Listen carefully. If we'll obey it, the command he gives us is not to just lord over us. It's to move us from where we are to where he wants us to be. Are you with me? Say amen. And so obedience moves us forward. In fact, I love what the Bible says. If you re refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. But if you obey, you'll eat the best of the land. How many of you know that's a reference to the promised land? Amen. Hallelujah. And so the letter F, faith for the future, obedience, O. And then uh, the next one was change, the letter C in focus. And that's what he began to tell them. As soon as he said, I'm going to do a new thing, he said, so you know what you need to do? You need to sing a new song. You need to change your tune. How many of you know if you sing the same old tune, you'll get the same old song that, uh, that produces the same old thing? How many of you know the song is, is, is prophetic in ways? I mean, when the song we sing, what comes out of our mouth has the capacity to create. And so he says, you better change your tune. Everybody say, look at your neighbor and say, you better change your tune. You better change your tune. <laughs> Amen. And so that was the letter C. And then last week, the letter U uh, represents unction. Everyone say unction. Did you know you need unction to function? 
That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we talked about the vital necessity. In fact, Jesus told his disciples before he was ascended to the Father, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Uh, He said, you're going to need some unction, some anointing in your life. And he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power. Somebody say power. Power to be my witnesses uh, and in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, so that was last week. So now we're down to the last letter, the letter S. And I'm telling you today, if you miss, if you get all that and miss this, you missed it all. And the letter S stands for service for the Savior. It requires a servant's heart. God created us to serve Him. And serve the purposes of God. You see this even in Isaiah 42 1. Look, this is interesting to me. The prophet doesn't come and speaking under the inspiration of God Almighty, he's speaking for God. He says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. For us, we understand he's speaking about Jesus. And he doesn't say, my son who I uphold, even though he was and is the son of God. He doesn't even say at this moment, my, the, the savior of the world who I uphold. And, and he was and is the savior of the world. His first defining, now think about this. The first defining directive. Here these people have been in Babylonian captivity. And, and the prophet, God speaks through Isaiah and says, I'm about to send someone who's my servant and he's going to in reality serve you by what he does on planet earth and so we realize that he didn't come just as savior and son of god he came as servant in fact, Mark 10, 45, we'll look at it again in a moment, but it's, it's what it says about Jesus. It says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus came to serve. The future of all, listen, our future, we're talking about focus for our future. Our future <clears throat> rested in the balance of Jesus' desire and willingness to serve God and his purposes. Could I go ahead and say it even above, you know where I'm going, that our call to serve, our future rests in the balance of our capacity to embrace the purpose of God and serve God and his purposes in the earth. In fact, Philippians 2.7, Paul said this about Jesus. He, he humbled himself. How many of you know when you leave heaven's glory to come to this earth, you have done humbled yourself? He humbled himself, and then it says this, took freely and willingly the form of a servant. Why? Because he was here under the directive of God Almighty who said to him, his son, he said, son, I'm going to send you to a people in bondage and, and I'm going to call, you're going to be my servant and you're going to serve my goodwill by, by being a savior and a redeemer to them, to deliver them out of their bondage. Now, that's the purpose of God. Now, interesting to me, here's these children of Israel, they are in Babylonian captivity. Activity, they know a whole lot about what it means to be a servant. They were slaves. 
And for everyone that had been there for 70 years and even longer, that's all they knew was slavery and service to the evil taskmaster of Babylon. And the prophet comes and he said, I'm going to send you a servant. Well, that's all I've been. I'm going to send my servant to serve you. Are you with me? Say amen. How many of you know that's a new thing? For the children of Israel, man, that's a new thing. There's a servant coming, God's servant coming. Uh, and, and so the new thing for the children of Israel was to no longer ultimately, as he says in these two chapters and even beyond, uh, no longer be bond servants to Babylon, but to be bond servants of God. Going to deliver them out of the evil bondage of, of Babylon and bring them into the benevolent bondage, if you will, the benevolent servitude of God Almighty. And now, when you know, understand uh, the New Testament, you'll know that that's exactly where we are today. We are no longer slaves to, did we sing that this morning? I don't know if we did. We're no longer the slaves to sin. But what have we become? Bond servants of God. Are you with me? Say amen. And so understand this about Jesus and, and really all of us. Servitude was, the, was, was always the primary focus of the Savior. He came to serve. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That's always been the plan of God. John 4, 34, what did Jesus say early on? He said, my food, or if King James says, my meat, my food is to do the will of God and to finish his work. That's the, that's the mindset of a true servant. I'm here to do the will of God and to finish his work. That's the heart of a servant. Servitude was always the primary focus of the Savior. Even in his, his uh, willingness to lay down his life, pay the great price, he did so out of service to his Father. Servitude. Now, now go to Mark 10. Are you, I'm in Isaiah. Let's go to Mark 10. I want to read this to you because you need to get the context. If you're still with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. Mark chapter 10 uh, some, some marvelous passage here to help us understand the purpose of God, not only for Jesus, but for our lives as well. Mark 10, 35. Let's just read 10 verses here. In fact, the subtitle, which is not in the original text, the greatness of serving. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, just stop right there, just a little Bible trivia. What were they called? The sons of what? Sons of Thunder. I'm not sure why. I'd have to do some research on that. Uh, but they got, they, they jumped out ahead here and, and they assumed a few things. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, that is Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now that's a, that's a loaded question. How many know Jesus didn't say, Okay, whatever you want? He said this. What do you want me to do for you? He didn't say he would do it. He said, well, you tell me first. How many of you know when your kids say, Daddy, I need you to help me, you want to know, well, what do you want me to help you do? He asked exactly what Jesus did. They said to him, grant to us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your, (coughs) pardon me, in your glory. Now, now we get to the motivation. They wanted the position of greatness. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Everybody say, you don't know what you're asking. 
He said, you don't know what you're asking. And then he asked them a question. How many of you know a lot of times Jesus does that? When you ask him a question, he'll ask you a question. And the reason he is because he knows your question is flawed, but he's going to ask you a question to get you back to the reason why you asked the question. He said this, are you able to drink the cup that I drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, and I'm going to put a parenthesis in here, foolishly, they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. In other words, this is not my call. This is God's call. But you basically, this is my, uh, this is my uh, commentary. They were ensnared by the words of their mouth. In fact, if you know their history, both of those disciples suffered greatly in the loss of their lives because of the gospel, because of the words of their mouth. They they were they were martyrs for the things for the cause of Christ. Now, verse 41, and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. There's a little riff in the discipleship, nothing new under the sun. They were displeased with James and John, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them and and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever, now here we catch this, verse 43, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So the reality is when you just look at that passage of Scripture and you just plug yourself into that mindset and the plan of God, the plan of God for all of us is to be just like Jesus and be a servant of all. If we want to progress and move forward into the destiny, if we want to get out of our bondage to sin, Satan, and this world system, we got to come to a place where we're willing to embrace the servant who came to serve his father and be a ransom and die and pay a big ransom so we could all become the servants of God too. Amen. And that's the, hey, that's the secret of greatness in the eyes of the Lord. When you look, when, hey, when you come to the close of your life, and God be able to look down and say, now that's a great person right there. You know what he's going to be looking at if he says that? Someone who realized I'm going to be just like Jesus, and I'm going to embrace the heart of service to him and to his purposes in the earth. Service moves you forward. Now, here's the reality in this passage of Scripture. There's some dangers here of self-service. Did you know James and John, hey, even, they were disciples of the Lord, sons of thunder. They began to think selfishly rather than selflessly. And when we began to embrace the self-serving mindset, 
there's some great, there is great danger. Everyone say danger. So I want to warn you about the reality. When you look to your future and you want to progress, uh, uh, not just in the things of God, but in the world around you and be productive in the world around you with the blessing of God upon you, you can't look at life, you can't embrace the future with a sense of selfishness and self-serving. You and I both have to realize, hey, I'm here not to be served, but to serve and give my life, just like Jesus. For the cause of Christ. Are you with me? Say amen. So here's a couple of warning shots for you. Here we go. Self-serving may get you what you want, but you won't want what you got. I'm going to say it again. Self-serving may get you what you want, but you won't want what you get. Look what he says in verse 38 and 39. He says this. Hey, they said, we're able. And uh, he said, well, you're going to get what you wanted to a certain extent, but you're not going to want what you got. You said you could drink the cup. Uh, you, you, hey, you're going you're gonna to get that part. You're not going to want what you, what you got. Are you with me? Say amen. Next warning shot is this. Self-serving always leads back to an enslaving situation. Look in verse 44, whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. And so on some level, some way, if you live, if we live our lives with a sense of selfishness rather than selflessness, it's going to lead us to a place of slavery. And ultimately, it's a place of of separation from God because we are living out from under the predetermined plan and purpose of God for our life. That's why the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity because they began to live life selfishly rather than selflessly. It'll always lead you to an enslaving situation. So with that in mind, let me just kind of hit it hard here. Serving God and His purposes have always been the will of God for all of us. Let me say it again. Serving God and His purposes has always been the will of God for all of us. That's the will of God for us. In fact, if you go back to Isaiah 43, you're going to see that he hits this. He said, my, Isaiah 42, my servant whom I've chosen, I'm going to uphold him. He's coming. But then Isaiah 43, look what he says here concerning us. Verse 10, he says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. So now we see this reality. The servant comes to set us free. And what does he do? He instills and and imparts his life to us. His purpose and plan of being a servant to all becomes ours. And the prophet says, you are now the servant whom I have chosen. Look what Jesus said, fast forward in John 20, 21. He said, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now, how was, how was he sent? Go back to John 4, 34. He said this, my food is do the will of God and to, uh, uh, will of him who sent me. Everyone say sent me. See, Jesus realized he was sent. We're going to talk about that more in a moment. He, uh, my, my purpose is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And now he's getting close to the close of his life in John 20. And he's, and he says this, as the father has sent me, even so send I you. Are you with me? Say amen. So again, serving God and his purposes has always been the will of God for all of us. 
to have a heart of service and selflessness rather than selfishness. And so with that in mind, if you go back to Isaiah, we're going to jump back and forth here. But if you want to go back to Isaiah, I'm going to give you six mile markers of service that all of us must uh, 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 arrive at and take a hold of and take ownership of. Here they are. Number one, we were, when you go back to Isaiah 43, we were all created by God to serve him. God created us. Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord, who created you? God created you. He did. In fact, David said this, I think it's Psalm 139. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm created in the image of God. And look at verse 7 of that same chapter. Look what he says. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, not your glory, not my will, his will, his plan to bring glory and honor to him. Are you with me? He says, I formed him. Yes, I have made him. We were created by God. When God put you together in his mind, how many of you know you were, you were in the mind of God before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye? Come on now. He had you in mind. And here's what Paul said about the church in Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everyone say good works. It doesn't say we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for our will and plan to unfold. It's for the purpose of fulfilling his work. Just like Jesus said, he said, I came here, he sent me to finish his work. How many of you know, because we're still here, the work is not finished. God, hey, if you're here, if you're alive today, everybody alive today say, amen. Everybody that's alive, you, God's not finished with you yet. You're created, you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you, and I'll say and I, should walk in them. So mile marker number one, you were created by God to serve him and his purposes. That's why he made you. Look at somebody with a little smirk on your face, point at them and say, that's why he made you. Remember, that's why he made you. To serve him and his purpose. Amen. Number two, mile marker number two of, of service is not only we were created to serve, but this sounds kind of alike, but I think it's a little different. We were formed to serve him. Isaiah 43, 1, he said, I created you, O Jacob. I have formed you, O Israel. Uh, Verse 7, he hits that same word again. Uh, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. You see, when God created you in his mind, he knew that you were a work in progress. And that's what formed has to do with. You see, when you're born again, everybody here that's born again, say hallelujah. When you were born again, how many of you have been born again longer than 40 years? Raise your hand. How many have been born again longer than 50 years? That's you, Beverly, I think, yeah. Uh, We won't go any further. When you were born again, God then took you and said, I've got a work to accomplish in and through him. He began to shape you. And that word formed there in the Hebrew, uh, it means to mold through squeezing as a potter does the clay. You ever watched a potter? 
Do you think, man, I, years ago I was in Africa, and there's these wonderful place that we went where, where really we'd call them single-parent moms. They get, create with, within them uh, a, a place to, to live and work, and they create some of those beautiful pottery. I still have a little, we were there hanging out, and, and uh, uh, one of them just whipped together a little bird for me and gave it to me, and I took it home. Uh, I put it in a little safe place, took it home, and there it is on my shelf. Uh, this little, what we'd call a single parent mom who had been redeemed out of the trouble and trauma of, uh, of, of, of Kenya and, and given a purpose and a reason for being. And I learned so much about the potter and the shaping and, and even flawed things as you read through the prophecies about the potter and the clay in the Old Testament, even the flawed things. He, sometimes he just, oh, I better start over there. In fact, you know what, this morning, when I start talking about becoming the servant, uh, like Jesus' servant, some of you are starting to feel the pressure already, aren't you? You just go, ooh, mm, ooh, uh-oh, he's meddling, ooh, 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 now. Uh, it's the hand of God saying, come on now, I want to form you. There's some things I want to shape in you. You know, I'm 63 uh, years old. I'm 63 years old. I'm getting younger by the second. Are you with me? Say amen. See my blue jean jacket? Come on now. I got my semi-skinny jeans on. What more could you ask for? They're just semi-skinnies. Got a little elastic there. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Jesus. And you know what about me in my life? God's still shaping me. He's still, and this morning on our way, I said, God, just keep working it in me, Lord. I would think myself the servant of the Lord, but I know there's some more work. There's some more shaping. There's some more squeak. Oh, God. There's some more squeak. Oh, God. You know, when you sense that hand upon you, you know, let me tell you something. Most people, oh, Lord, may your hand be upon me. Uh, okay. Because his hand is not just the hand of, uh, of comfort and compassion. It's the hand of transformation and change and shaping. We, hey, we were created to serve him. We're in the process of being shaped into his servants. Amen. And may it be when we come to the close of our life, and listen, none of us are going to live forever, that when we stand before him, we hear him say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over these temporal little things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over much. So we were created to serve. We were formed to serve. And number three, mile marker number three of service that all of us need to embrace in our life, uh, uh, even through this pro- prophecy of Jesus and the great servant coming, is not only that we were created to serve and, and we're being formed to serve, but we were chosen to serve. Isaiah 43.10 says this. Here, let me tell you about who you are. He said, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen. How many of you love it when God chooses? 
He chose you. He chose me. We're chosen by God to serve him. He looked out and he said, you know what? I'm going to choose you all. You're all uh, 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 willing. Uh, I, I just created you all. I want to form you and I'm choosing you. We're chosen by God. If you go back to Isaiah 42 about his servant, he says, behold, my servant, big M, big S, speaking of Jesus, whom I uphold, he says, my elect one. Those are two uh, capital words, in whom my soul delights. That phrase about Jesus, my elect one, uh, really means chosen by God before the foundations of the world. And you and I need to realize this, the Scripture, New Testament, you know what the New Testament calls you and me as born-again believers? The elect. You're elect. You know what that means? Chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Chosen for what? My servant. He's the elect one. You've been, you've been created by God to serve him and his purposes. You've been formed by God. You're being formed by God to serve him and his purposes. Let me stop and go back to that point. Hey, God's not finished with you yet. You and I have got a lot to do for him. Are you with me? Say amen. 2020, we got to realize, hey, we're thinking about future for me, myself. No, there's, there's other people's future are waiting on you to step up to your role and res- our role and responsibility of service to him and his purposes. Amen. Peter said this in 2 Peter 2, 9. We, we used to sing it. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, And I love this part, a peculiar people. Now you're feeling better about yourself, aren't you? You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, hey, go back. You know what he's telling these Babylonian captives, these children of Israel? I'm going to pull you out of this. I created you. I formed you. I've chosen you. I'm pulling you out of that for my glory. Amen. So mile marker one, we're created to serve. Mile marker two, about service, we're formed to serve. We're being formed and shaped into the end. It's a squeezing prime. We're chosen by God. He chose you. You're not an accident. Tell somebody you're not an accident. You're not an accident. We're chosen. And then number four, we were redeemed to serve. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. Isaiah 43, 1, he said, he said uh, I created you, I formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Interesting thing, even though the, I, the, the, the children of Israel in Babylonian captivity, they're wondering how. How many of you know we don't have to wonder how he redeemed us? He redeemed us with his precious blood. First Peter says, we were purchased, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. He paid for our sins with his own blood. Are you with me? Say amen. And we've been redeemed. He goes, he hits it again in verse 14 of the same chapter. Thus says the Lord, I like this, your redeemer. I love it. I'm your redeemer. So we've been redeemed by God to serve. In fact, if we had time, and we don't, but if you go to Romans 6, it talks about this redemption road that Jesus went down 
says, and he talks about the fact that Jesus paid the price. He went down this redemptive road to redeem all of humanity from their sin, out of the bondage of sin. How many of you know before you're born again, you can't help it. You're just a natural born what? Sinner. We're all sinners. I love the song. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's what we all were. But Romans 6 says that he redeemed us out of that and placed us into his kingdom. And no longer do we have to serve sin, but we serve him. We've become bond slaves, if you will, of God. Read it, Romans 6. It's right there. We've been redeemed. And we've not been redeemed just to do what we want to, how we want to, where we want to, when we want to. We've been brought out of bondage and into a benevolent, loving relationship with the, with the great Savior and Redeemer who loves us. In fact, if you go back he, in verse 43, he says this in verse four, chapter 43. He says, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have, <coughs> pardon me, I have loved you. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to redeem us. All the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. That's what the Bible, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Everybody say so. (laughs) Amen. So mile marker one, we were created to serve. Mile marker two, we were formed by God. We're still being formed to be his servants. Mile marker number three, we are chosen by God. He chose us. We are his elect, chosen before the foundation of the world. And then we've been redeemed by God because we were all natural born sinners. And he came and he realized we could never serve him in our selfish flesh. We could never serve him under the, under the evil taskmaster of sin and Satan and this world system. He had to pay something to get us back out of that and get us back on track, serving him like we were created to do. Amen. Mile marker number five in this process of becoming the servant of God and moving into our future destiny with the favor of God upon us is we've got to realize we were sent to serve. If you go back to those passages where Jesus said, I've been sent by God, and even as God sent me, I send you. That word sent is, it's where we get the word apostle. Apostello, apostolo, it really means this, set apart and sent out on mission. Set apart and sent out on mission. You see, God's creation are not here just to take up space. God had a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. He told his first century disciples, you wait here because I've got a mission for you. I'm sending you. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. This is where I'm sending you. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the mission and to reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, but then he said, but you wait right here because there's an anointing that needs to come upon you. And he said, after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, you just need the power. You got the mission. You're the sent ones, but you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We, we were sent to serve him. 
set apart to serve Him and the mission He has for us, the purpose that He has for us. Somebody say amen. And then finally today, as we embrace this idea of service to God and His his purposes, we need to embrace this mile marker. We are sustained by God to serve. If you go back to 42, chapter 1, I love what he says here. Uh, And it's just to me, when you even put this in the context, behold, my servant whom I uphold. Everyone say, uphold. Now, here's what God's saying about Jesus to us. He said, my servant, I, I, I got him. I'm upholding him. The word really means sustaining him, to help him. And how many of you know, if we are his hands extended and we have the same heart that Jesus had as servants, that same sustaining help is available to all of us by God. So when we look to our future and we look to the call of God, come on, follow me down, we're about done. And we say, God wants me to serve him and his purposes all the days of my life. And we look at our life and we say, oh me, oh my, how on earth can I do that? How can I accomplish that? Is that even possible? Let me tell you something. You got somebody who's come to you and said, hey, I'm as close as the mention of my name. In fact, I'll not lead you. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. He's going to come alongside and help you. He will sustain you and help you and uphold you. The Bible says with his right hand of righteousness. Are you with me? And so here's these Babylonian captives, children of Israel. You read through this, you're going to realize that he's saying, I know you did wrong. In fact, you haven't been doing right since you've been here in Babylonian captivity. But I'm going to show up and show off and show out in your behalf because I have a purpose and plan that needs to be fulfilled. And you are now my witnesses. What did, what did Jesus say? Fast forward to Acts 1. You'll be my witnesses. You're my witnesses whom I have chosen. And he said, I'll sustain you. Sadly, most people, many people miss that part. Because of the process of deliverance and being shaped by God, there's a lot of bumps. There's a lot of hurts and issues. God is in the middle of shaping us and forming us into His image. And His image is servant. May it be, as we look to our future, that we would say, it's not about me. It's about Him, His purposes in the earth and that's why I'm here not just to be I didn't come to be served Jesus said but to serve and to give what would your world listen what would just your world be like 
What would my world be like? What would your world, I'm talking about you. I'm, I'm talking about you right now. What would your world be like if, if you walked out of this room and said, from this day forward, it's not about me. It's about serving him and his purposes in the earth. It moves you forward into the destiny of God for your life. Selfishness keeps you back. Service moves you forward. Because Jesus said, if you want to be great, my kingdom if you want to progress to the point that one day you hear well done thou good and faithful servant you got to learn to be the servant of all it's a process amen so today let's get it down we have a future God has a plan we got to have faith for the future We've got to obey his word. Obedience moves us forward. Faith moves us forward. Are you with me? See, we've got to change our tune. We can to sing the song of the Lord and the will of God for our life. The letter U. We can't move forward without the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit in our life. You can't do this by yourself. And the letter S, it's all out of service. I have a destiny not because I'm special, but because of His plan and purpose for my life. Amen. Let's stand together. Jesus, as we stand here today, and as we hear what you have to say, as we as we reach out, Lord God, to our future with the will of God in our lives, Lord, being before us. May we have faith. I want all of us just, hey, let's just walk through. We've got a couple minutes here. Let's walk through this, this message. Lord, let us have faith for our future to believe you and trust you and to fear not. Come on, say, just work that out. Work that out in your own. Lord, may we be men and women of faith. May I believe you and trust you for my future. And not fear, but trust. I trust you, Lord. May I, Lord, forgive me for living any level of disobedience. May I, may we, may I be an obedient son or daughter of God. Let me obey the command of God in my life that moves me forward. And Lord God, whatever song that I may have been singing that is counterproductive to my future unfolding, Lord, I want to change my tune. And just stand in your presence and receive the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit for my future. So I can go forward with a heart of service to you. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we cap this series today with a commitment to faithfully serve him, I, I just pray you would just, hey, he said he would help us. 
Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord, help me to be the servant you've called me to be, that you've created me to be, that you're forming me into, that you've commissioned me into. Lord, help me. Be my sustainer, Lord God, as a servant of God, as your servant, to fulfill your purposes in the earth. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works so with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and you say pastor you know that all sounds good but I don't know if I really even belong to him I don't know if I'm his child I don't know if I've experienced that redeeming message that you shared with about the blood of Jesus so this morning before we leave here if you're here and you can say, Pastor, I just don't know for sure. I'm not sure if I really belong to him. I don't know if I've really ever become a child of God. And I, would, I, I want to be born again. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, just lift your hand. Anyone here and say, that's me. I just need to know that I know that I know that I'm born again. Anyone? Amen. Father, we thank you for the call of God to serve you. And now as we prepare to leave this place, may we open our eyes and ears to those who need a servant to come and serve them the glorious message of redemption. Lord, we've been blessed with mercy and grace. May we go out into this world today. I want everyone here to realize you've been sent. Come on now. Embrace this this sending, Lord, you, you're sending us today and really for the rest of our life to serve you and serve others the glorious gospel as witnesses of those who have been redeemed. We embrace that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.